Good morning. Would you stand with us, please? We're going to worship the Lord this morning in song, and we are so glad you are here today with us. From the moment that I wake up 
until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God.
him today. Have a seat, please. Be seated, please. We're so glad that you're here today. And as we've come to gather today, you may be seated. There you go. All right. We, uh, we're so thankful that you're here. And I need just a little bit more there, right? Uh, we want to thank God for all the families in our church today. But today we want to celebrate. We're doing some children dedications. Uh, this morning at our first service, we had several families there. And today at our second service, we have uh, Willow Grace is being presented. Willow Grace Rule. So I'm going to ask Sharon if you and your family will come on up and we're going to bring up Willow and we're going to present her to the Lord and dedicate her today. All right. We'll put her picture up there. All right. Let's give her a hand. All right. Let's welcome her on up to the stage. <laughs> Parents are Justin and Sharon Rule. And we thank God for you. We thank God for your family and all this. You've got your... You've got in-laws, you've got your mother here, you've got everybody here, right? This is wonderful. So let's thank God for their family that's come to support them today, all right? And Willow, her birthday was September 27th, 2018, right? So she is, uh, she is ready to be dedicated to the Lord. We love your family, Sharon. You see Sharon up here serving the Lord. You see she's been singing. She's involved in the church, serving all over the place. And we appreciate what you do around here. We're so thankful for little Willow and for all of your daughters, all of your family. God has blessed you with a great family, and, uh, and God is so good. And so we thank you, grandparents, for being here to support today. And I know this is going to be a great day as we celebrate her. I just want to read to you the verse this morning out of 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel 1 verse 27 says this uh, the Hannah came before the Lord she had prayed for a child she said for this child I prayed and the Lord granted me my petition that I made to him therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives he is lent to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there so they came before the Lord and they uh, they they uh, they gave their children to the Lord and we've seen this has been a long tradition and it's okay she's a little shy up here right she's She's, a, she, she's, she's just uh, she's just being a toddler, right? So everything's good. She's hiding behind mom, right? So um, she said, I don't want my picture. Somebody's taking a picture out of it. She didn't want the picture today, right? So, but anyhow, we, we just want to wanna pray over, over Willow and thank God for Willow. Thank God for the opportunity that we have. One day our prayer is that little Willow will open her heart and trust Jesus on her own. Amen? And we look forward to that. And I know that's your heart's prayer for all of your children. And you're raising them to honor and love the Lord, Sharon. So we, we appreciate you and we rally around you here at the church. And I want you to take down Willow's name. I want you to take down Sharon's name. I want you to pray for them. And let's lift them up before the Lord on a daily basis before the Lord. You know, that, that's what somebody did for me when we dedicated our children. People came along and they said, hey, we got your kid's name. We're praying over them and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep praying for them. And so they have been praying over our kids for years, and we thank God for that. And I want to encourage you, let's do the same for Sharon and for, for these young families, okay? So, Willow, come on out here. I'm going to pray over you this morning. Or, or maybe over, literally over, huh? <laughs> All right. So let, let's just join together and pray. Would you stand with me, folks, and let's just pray over this family together. And let's just ask the Lord, would you join me silently in prayer as I out loud dedicate her to the Lord. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for Willow. God, I thank you for Sharon. I thank you for her heart of compassion, her heart of love for you, Lord. 
I thank you for the, her, her desire to honor you and serve you with her life, with her family. Lord, I lift her and I lift her husband, Justin, up to you, Lord. And I just ask that you will give them the strength that they need to be able to parent these kids and to be able to honor you. God is sharing his passion about Jesus, Lord. And she is a, a mom who's seeking to plant seeds of salvation in her kids' lives. I pray you'll give her the strength and the honor to be able to do what you've called her to do here, Lord. God, I, I thank you for these children, Lord. We lift up to you today, Willow, Lord. We lift her up before you, and I ask God that you'll just uh, that, that you'll open her heart to you at a very young age, that she'll follow you, and that she will uh, see the joys of living uh, according to your ways and according to having you in her life, that, that you will transform her from the inside out as she grows to be more like you, God. I, again, Lord, we thank you for this family. They're a joy to us. We thank you that the children are a heritage from the Lord. And God, you have blessed Sharon with many children. And as you've given her this, all these wonderful daughters, Lord, uh, we honor you. We bless your name. We dedicate them all to you. But today, Lord, we dedicate especially Willow Grace to you. And we ask you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to, that we dedicate her to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, I didn't realize she was gone. I'm... <laughs> Got hands everywhere. God bless you. Let's welcome this family today, all right? God bless you guys, all right? God bless you guys. I was praying and the child disappeared. Awesome, awesome. Well, good morning. Can we thank God for this family? Wasn't that awesome? It's such a beautiful thing to see families dedicating their children to the Lord. So, guys, welcome. Glad you're here. Glad you're joining us online. Uh, listen, people, it is a good day to be alive, isn't it? Can we thank God for today? Can we thank God for what he's doing in this church? You're seeing families come. We're seeing people come to Christ. We're seeing people serving. God has been good to our church, and he's always faithful. Amen? Amen. So, hey, listen, I want to share a few things with you. One, if you are a guest here in the building we're glad you're here. You're in a great place. Please come check out the Welcome Center so we can connect with you and give you something by just saying thanks for being our guest. If you're online, let Elena know, and she'd love to connect with you and share more about Crossroads and what makes this place tick, which is Jesus. And that's what makes us go. That's why we're moving forward. That's why we're doing what we do. And so a few things that are coming up that I want to let you guys know about is that uh, MOPs, uh, ladies, mothers of preschoolers, we're going to be starting... Uh, not we, I'm saying collectively, uh, we're going to be starting on Tuesday uh, this week at 915 right here in the auditorium. So come on out and it's going to be a great time. And listen, they're growing and they're they're really challenging these ladies to, to, to be awesome moms that give Jesus the priority in their life. And so please connect uh, with these ladies on Tuesday starting this week. And then next Sunday is Next Steps. So that's our membership class. So if you're looking to make Crossroads your home and become a member here at Crossroads, that is what Next Steps is all about. So you can um, sign up for that class at the Welcome Center or on the front page of our website. And we're looking forward to just meeting everybody next Sunday. It's going to be a good time. And then Wednesday nights, we have our men's uh, group, which is studying uh, Kingdom Man. Uh, so Pastor Ken is leading that group. So men, come on out. It's a great study. I highly recommend that study and just get connected here at Crossroads. So that's 630. And then ladies, uh, you guys are meeting here on Wednesdays as well. Uh, don't give the enemy a seat at your table, which my wife went last week and said it was awesome. Nancy does a phenomenal job. So ladies, connect um, in your group on Wednesday nights. And then C-Groups. 
we are challenging everybody to become a part of a C group. So C groups is another word for small groups, but we're calling them C groups, C groups, crossroads groups, right? And so listen, if you have any questions, go to our website, stop by our welcome center. And we'd love to talk to you about getting connected with other people because we all need people in our lives. So C groups, we're looking forward to talking more about that as the time goes on. So listen, um, before we go to a man, we're going to watch a video. I'm just remembering uh, 9-11, but I want to encourage you guys as you give, continue to be faithful in giving. And as we give to the Lord, we give out of a cheerful heart. So let's ask God um, in a minute to just, just encourage that in our hearts as we give. But guys, we also know that um, today and, and this last couple of days has been um, just, just a lot of a time of remembrance for our country. And so let's pause and let's watch this video as we remember what happened 20 years ago. On September 11th, 2001, the course of American history was suddenly changed. We remember the chaos and the confusion, the destruction and the heartbreak, the shock of 3,000 lives lost in a single day. But we also remember the great resolve of everyday people, the acts of heroism that brought us together, the men and women who stood in the gap, somehow still fighting, giving every ounce of strength to help others. Decades have passed since that historic day, and in that time, we have learned that despite all the suffering and loss, our God remains faithful. Even when smoke and debris obscure our paths, His unfailing love will carry us through. As we remember those who were lost, let us honor their memory with our lives, giving our own strength to help the hurting, making sacrifices for those around us, and sharing the faith which brings eternal hope and peace. This is our promise and our prayer for 9-11. Would you guys pray with me as we continue on? Lord, thank you for that, um, that video. Lord, just reminding us that the, the greatest thing that we can do is, is we can share the faith. Lord, that we can share about what it is to have a relationship with you. God, we have family members. We have people in our, um, our, our, our jobs, uh, our schools, um, Lord, in our neighborhoods. Uh, that God, we know that every day, every week, every year, God, it produces something in our lives that we struggle to, to take that hill. And God, we know that as we think about all that our country has been through and is going through, God, we remember uh, the sacrifice, uh, Lord, of the men and women um, on that day. Lord, we remember what happened. Lord, many of us um, remember where we were. Lord, some of these kids here, um, they, they weren't alive, uh, God. And it's just crazy to think how history continues to just produce all kinds of different things, Lord. But we can trust you and know that you are always faithful, always consistent. God, we trust in you. And, Lord, we just pray for our country. We pray for healing. Lord, we pray for as the days continue on. God, we, we just seek you above all else. Lord, help, help this country to make you the priority. Lord, we, we need your power. We need your strength, Lord. 
And Lord, thank you for the faithfulness and giving of your people, Lord. We, uh, we thank God for this place. We thank God for what you're doing. Lord, we, you are amazing. And we trust things and all, and all, all ask in Jesus' name. Amen. With us as we sing.
sickness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. great weekend. Amen. God is good to us. We're so glad that you're here today to celebrate these families, these uh, young families in the church dedicating their children. God is moving. He's doing great things in our midst. I want to encourage you as we've been going on a verse by verse study of the book of Mark. We're we're taking in this remarkable journey looking at who Jesus is and we're trying to discover who is Jesus, not who do you want him to be. Uh, Many people have come up with a Jesus that they want him to be. And as we're going through this book, we're finding out who Jesus really is. And even his disciples, they wanted a Jesus that they could make. They wanted a God that they could, that they could, uh, manipulate, a God that they could make to be what they wanted him to be. But Jesus comes along and we see here today that he shows them, I'm not the God that you can just manipulate. I'm not the God that you can Make me do what you want me to do. I am God. And so if you're God, if he's God, what's that mean for us? Mark chapter 9, verse 30. Then they departed. Then they departed that place and they passed through Galilee. We had just come off the Mount of Transfiguration. We went from the mountaintop experience to the valley flop. Uh, we came down last week. We looked at the at the valley experience and how the, the, the disciples weren't catching it. They weren't doing this in, thing in prayer. They weren't. They were just manufacturing. They were going through ministry. They knew how to go through the motions, but they were not relying on God. So he has to take his disciples, and he goes along and says Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. So he takes them out and he he goes to a quieter place. So he's not with the crowds anymore. He's moved away from the crowd. And then it says that he said to them, he taught them that the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, they will rise. He will rise. 
We see again, we keep seeing this theme over and over in the scriptures here that Jesus came to teach. He said he comes, he's teaching his disciples. He pulls them aside here. In the first two chapters, we saw five times he says he came to teach. He taught. He came to teach. He taught. We keep seeing it countless times all throughout the last several chapters. He came to teach. He taught. He taught. He taught. He wasn't just coming to teach theology, folks. He was coming to teach that there was a new way. He's coming to shape you into something different. He came to shape you into to understanding who he is and, and that if you're going to be his follower, what that must mean. For the second time now, he comes to teach. He says this, this statement about teaching this particular issue twice. First, he said it to, uh, and Peter said, no, Lord, you will not die. No, Lord, surely this can't be. You're the Messiah. There's no way that you're going to have to suffer and die. And so when he talks about suffering, Peter says, no, not, no, 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 that can't happen. We've got another plan. And God says, get behind me, Satan. And so now here we come again, and, and the disciples, they, they can't understand it. As a matter of fact, if you look at this, you'll see that, uh, that they came to, he, he came, he, Jesus didn't come to be that manipulate, what you can manipulate. He didn't come so you can put God in a box. You see, the disciples, they had a, an understanding of what they thought Jesus would be, what the Messiah would be. They wanted him to come and, and conquer Rome. They wanted him to come and be a world power. But Jesus didn't come to be a world power at this point. He didn't come to conquer Rome at this point. He had a much bigger plan. And so as he comes into that much bigger plan, he has to go to the cross. But the disciples, they can't see it. The disciples are thinking about Genesis 12. When Jesus, uh, when God came to a man named Abraham and he says to Abraham, I am going to make a promise. If you follow me, I will make you a great nation. And out of you will be a great nation. And so he, he, uh, Abraham follows the Lord and he makes a great nation out of him. He has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Uh, Jacob has a uh, Jacob becomes known as Israel. His name is uh, is, uh, is also known as Israel. He has twelve sons, twelve tribes of Israel. And so God had promised out of this great nation would come the Redeemer, the Savior of the world. So whenever whenever they're thinking about this, they're thinking the disciples are thinking about the greatness of God. They're thinking like, hey, listen, this Messiah is coming, and and here we are. It's been four hundred years of silence. We're in on the ground level, and they're thinking that. Hey, what's in it for me? They're thinking, hey, listen, this is going to be great. He's going to be the king and we're going to be free from the oppression. And and look where we're going to be at this thing. Verse 32 says, but they did not understand what he was saying. They didn't understand what he meant and they were afraid to ask him about it. Oh, they were afraid to ask him about it because they kind of knew, like, if he's going to die and we're your follower, what's that mean for us? What, what, What do you mean? Like, that great promises from the Old Testament now... We're going to go, wait, all right, so they didn't comprehend it. They were afraid to ask. They didn't want to know the question. They didn't really want to know the answer at this point because this was earth-shattering that the Son of Man must die. Then he came to Capernaum, so he goes into the crowded area again. He goes into Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what are you arguing about on the road? Did you ever travel and go on a family vacation? Dad's driving on a family vacation, and everybody else is in the back of the minivan? And they're always complaining, aren't they? Did you ever notice that? They start complaining. What are they always complaining about? Well, dad doesn't know how to drive. You know, dad, uh, dad doesn't stop for the restroom. I want you to catch this because here, here comes the disciples. They're, they're on this journey. They're not in a minivan. Maybe they're in a camel van. I don't know, but they're not in a minivan, all right? And, and they're, they're, they're going on the journey everywhere they go. And Jesus, here's the arguments happening. 
I want you to think about it because how, how often do you realize that Jesus already knows your complaint? Jesus knows what you're already getting ready to pray for. Like, I, I wonder if, if, if Jesus were physically, bodily standing in your room when you pray tonight, would you be praying for more? Would you be praying for you to be great? How would your prayers change? Like, like Jesus, he knew. Jesus came on the scene and he said that he, he knew what the Pharisees were thinking. So he comes along to his own twelve and he knows that they're arguing. He knows what they're arguing about. But look, look how they respond. Verse 34, they kept silent because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. Jesus just told them that the Son of Man must die. And now they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They're saying, hey, listen, if, uh, if, he's going to, if he has to die and he's going to rise again, you know what, uh, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? When, when he sets up this kingdom, who's going to be greatest? Who's going to be the prime minister whenever Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Who's going to be, who's going to be the, the vice chair? Who's going to be uh, the, the, the uh, head of the finance department? Who's going to be head of the health department? And so all this would be like the president picking his cabinet. And so they're coming along and they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And I want you to think about that because, uh, because that's really immature, isn't it? Like here they are. Jesus just said he's going to die. And they're saying, I'm, I'm t- who's going to be greater? Is it, is it going to be me or is it going to be you? Well, Peter, it won't be you. He already called you Satan, so you're out, you know. <laughs> you're down. You're number 12. You're not number one. John's going for number one. Maybe it's uh, James is going for one. So as you, as you look at this, you see, wow, man, these guys... They just didn't totally comprehend it. And so as you look at this story today, I want, I want you to think about this. Where are we in this story? You, you look at it and, you know, we're like, oh, well, I wouldn't be like those disciples. Yeah, we are just like them. And I think there's a few things we've got to understand. Number one, followers follow a leader. Followers, say that with me, followers follow a leader. Um, if you're not following somebody, you're leading, right? And so God says, I want you to follow me. You ever go follow somebody on vacation? There's four of you going away on a trip or something. And so you got four van, four cars going. And all of a sudden, the first car takes a right turn. And you're like, that is the dumbest way to go. You know? Just because the GPS says it doesn't mean that's the right way to go. So you bypass them. They, all, they turn right and you keep going. You're not following the leader anymore. It didn't matter what the leader was doing. You had your own way. You said this is way better than that way to go. And so what happens with Christ, we've got to understand, is that we are his followers. And we are always put into this. There's, a, there's always a contrary situation where God says, this is the way I want you to go, and you want to go this way. God is taking a right turn, and you want to keep going in your own direction. And so we've got to understand that followers follow a leader. You know, what's your definition of a leader? Someone who has followers. So if we're followers of Christ, we can't be the leader. We're not the leaders. God is the leader. And so if you're following Jesus, you've got to come and you've got to surrender your life to him. Um, number two, you know you're a follower if you end up where the leader ends up. Um, if, if, the, if the leader makes it to the final destination and you're going to the same place, you, you know that you're going to be the leader. Uh, that you're, going to, you're the follower. He's the leader. He took you there. So Jesus comes along and he's the leader. And he says, I must suffer. I must die. And imagine what's going on through the disciples' head there. I must suffer. I must die. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to fight about who's going to be number two. Who's going to be number three? Who's going to be number four? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? So they have this argument and this discussion as they're going along the journey, and Jesus knows about it. 
But you know what? I want to encourage you. I bet that if we're honest with ourselves, we would say that we're really the same way. We kind of feel like, wow, when I pray, God should answer my prayer. And we feel like there's something, you know, like God's the leader, but yeah, but whenever I do this, God owes me this. How many years have you put prayers into the machine you haven't gotten what you want out of it? It's like a vending machine. I put prayers in. God should give me what I think is right out of it. I want to encourage you, as I've been praying through the years, I've learned this in many respects. What I've learned from praying for many years is that for many people, that cells multiply, the cancers grow, tumors don't leave, but many spouses do. Children are abandoned, houses get taken, partners stab you in the back all the time, and you think you've got the wrong God. Like as you're praying, and, I, and I've heard people pray, and I hear all these different things, and the, and the list goes on and on and on of, of things that you think, man, because I put my prayers in, this should have come out of the vending machine. Well, he's not a vending machine. He's God. And he says, I'm the leader. You see, I'm not leading God. God's got to be leading me. And when the disciples arrived on the scene here, they're, they're, they've got to learn the situation. And so what Jesus was doing here is he was, he was giving leadership 101. He's about to give leadership 101. And the way that Jesus does leadership is totally backwards than the way anybody does leadership, including the way we know it in America. Verse 35, he says, sitting down on a chair, uh, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now, I want you to catch the stance of Jesus. He pulls out the chair and he sits down. He's not in a condemning mode. He's not in a, a preaching mode. He's in a teaching mode. And he's just very kindly. He's teaching. He's nurturing his disciples. The disciples need this nurturement at this point. And so he comes along and he says, if you want to be first, you've got to be not just last, but the very last. And you have to be servant to all. Verse 36, then he took a little child. And while he was sitting in the midst of them, he took a little child. And he had uh, taken the child in his arms. He said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, John answered him, and he says, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. And you say, what is going on here? So Jesus, it's like, is, is this kind of all random stuff? No, it's not random at all. Jesus sits down and he says, if you want to be first, you've got to go to the very least. If anyone desires to be first, if you want to be first, you have to go to the very least. And then you have to serve everybody. You have to be a servant of all. And so what he's saying is, listen, he does an object lesson. He pulls this kid in, and as he holds on to this kid, he says, look at this child here. This is what I'm talking about. Whoever receives one of these little children, you're receiving me. And remember, if you're receiving me, you're receiving the Father, the one who sent me. So he makes it very clear. And what he was talking about was, you know, I've always looked at that and said, yeah, it's important that we need to love the children, that we need to minister to the children. And I agree with that 100%. I thank God for our children's ministry downstairs, don't you? Let's thank God for them this morning. They're awesome, awesome people. 
I'm, uh, I'm thankful from nursery up through fourth grade. We have an incredible children's ministry that serves every week downstairs. Uh, and then we go over to our middle school. We have fifth and sixth, Route 56. We've got our middle school ministry. Then we've got our high school ministry that meets tonight. Uh, let's thank God for all those that are serving all over this church, man. God is doing a great work. But, but, but I want you to catch something. That wasn't the depth of where he was going. There was a social order, and the social order was the men. And so if you wanted to be among the important people, you went right to the man, and you went to the top men. You went to the most important men. And you would go into the room. You wouldn't go to the servant. The servant was the lowest man in the room. But you would go to the top man in the room. And then, because remember, even the way they counted, it was they, they counted how many people were at the feeding of the 5,000. They said there was 5,000 men. And so they would count men, and then you would have to add in women and children. But the men were the top. Then you had women. And, and women had virtually no rights in society. They, they couldn't do too much of anything. But below women was children. And children could be seen, but they could not be heard. You didn't want, you didn't want to hear anything from a child. You wouldn't, you wouldn't hear, you wouldn't go, somebody wouldn't go into a room and just go right to a child and encourage a child. Because it was the lowest on the totem pole of that day. Now today, thanks be to God that we live in a world where children have a lot more respect. And children, we care about our children. We love our children. And I'm thankful for that. But in this day, I want you to understand that, that uh, G, the, the, God, the, the godly people, the, the Jewish people, they had a lot more respect for children. But in the Roman Greco society of that day, man, they didn't want to be bothered with a child until he was 12. Quite often they would give away their child or pay somebody else to raise their children. It was, uh, it was a, a terrible thing. Uh, when you even go and understand what the Roman adoption was all about, it's incredible how that you could adopt a child. Um, and, and when you think about the adoption of God, how he adopted us, it's pretty powerful. But here we see, here we see that uh, he says, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. He's saying, go and serve to the very least. It was his object lesson. He says, all right, if you want to you be great, serve the very least. You, you, know why it is, you know why children are the very least? It's because whenever you love a child, they can't give you anything back. You serve a child, there's nothing that they can give you back. They can't pay your car bill, can they? They can't, they can't fill your tank with gas. They can't, they, can't even make you, they can't even say enough good things. I want you to think about a little baby. When you go and you serve a little baby, moms, you have these little children and you serve these little babies. What can that little baby give you back? Not too much, huh? I mean, there's a lot of love and there's a lot of joy, but, but whenever you're serving, as far as anything material or anything prestige, you're not getting anything back. I, I want to encourage you, even serving in the church, I want to encourage you to serve in a nursery in the church. I've served in the nursery in the church. I've done it. Um, you're thankful that I'm not there anymore. Okay? I've done it. I can do it. You can do it. But I want you to know something. When you go down there and you serve, you're getting a little taste of Jesus. When, when you go into the first grade room, the kindergarten room, the toddler room, and you serve, you get on your knees and you play with those kids and you love them and you learn their names, you get a, you're getting a little bit of Jesus. Jesus said, you've done it to the least of these. You've done it unto me. So I want you to picture going down and you're sitting in a rocking chair next Sunday and you come in at 9.30 and you hold a baby. And the baby doesn't give you anything except he explodes at both ends. <laughs> and then you get a gift. 
And it's the gift that keeps on giving. And you get to take that home with you. And you get to wash that shirt. And you got a battle scar for serving the Lord, right? Like you go home and you serve. I, I want to encourage you to, to serve. Because Jesus says when you go to the least of these, you see, whenever you go serve a child, they can't give you anything in return. The, the little baby doesn't come up to you and say, hey, you're the greatest ever. I can't wait to be with you again. I can't wait to puke on you next Sunday. No, no, no kid ever does that, right? But I want you to catch this because, because serving is so not natural to us. It's not in our natural makeup to just go serve people. It's not in our natural makeup to serve and not be seen. We live in a world where, man, if you serve, oh, they put your picture up and they parade it. Oh, yeah. Hey, we had a serve day and this is what we did. As if it was abnormal. And it probably is. Because we all had to get together and take a picture of it. Listen, it, it is like God's called us to serve. And then John comes over here. And after Jesus says, I want you to serve, I want you to come to these little children. Serve these children like this is serving me. And, and he says, hey, listen, John replies to that and says, listen, God, there's a, Jesus, there's other people casting out demons in your names. So we told them to stop it. Why? Because they wanted to be number 13. They wanted to get in on our goods. And, and we're invested here too much, Jesus. So, we, you know, and Jesus continues on. We're going to talk about that passage next week. He, he basically says, hey, uh, if they're not for me, they're against uh, If they're not against me, they're for me. He says, let them continue on. And, and so the, the issue here is Jesus is making an object lesson. He says, I want you to serve. And, and I want to encourage you as, uh, as husbands to serve in your families. Husbands, out-serve your wife. Man, don't just cut the grass because it makes you look good in front of the neighbors. Out-serve your wife. Like, do things that will surprise her. Like, wash the dishes. Listen, when you wash the dishes, it surprises your wife. I just want you to know it. I mean, it surprised my wife, anyhow. I'll just let you know that, you know. Because it's not a regular occurrence. And I'll come home and I'll see the dishes. I'll just start washing them. You know, because the typical guy will come home and say, Oh, I can't believe the dishes, blah, 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 blah. In the meantime, all you got to do is serve. And you know, you get nothing in return. Nothing. Clean dishes. But you get nothing in return. And, and sometimes they may not even notice it. I'm not saying that ever happened, guys. I'm not saying that ever happened. I'm just telling you that that could happen. But, but, but listen, let me, let me explain this to you. Here's what happens. Men, we're supposed to outserve our wives. Wives, outserve your husbands. We have to serve our kids. You know, there are so many times that I have to serve my kids. And through the years, that's a big thing. You have to serve your kids. When you give to your kid, there's nothing that you expect in return. And in the world we live in, we, we have this expectation. Well, I did this, therefore they ought to do that. And God says, no, no, I want you to come and I want you to serve. And I want you to go to the least. Look at the least and serve them. You know what? The reason that this is, is a struggle is because over in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see that God created the heaven and the earth with the mere voice of God. Isn't that awesome? Like God, there was no big bang. It was a big mouth. 
God just spoke it into word. Amen. And God, the thunderous voice of God, he just spoke this into the beginning. Genesis one. And then in Genesis two, we uh, we see that man is created. Man and women are created. God creates man and woman, places them in the Garden of Eden. And now they are called to serve each other. The very reason that they were created was one to serve God, two to serve each other. And this is where the problem comes is Genesis chapter three. There's the fall. God said, you should not eat of the, uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan tempts them and sin enters the picture. And now they think that serving is somehow bad. And I want you to catch this. We have become the center of our universe because of chapter three. We're going to go back to the first one. Because of the ch- third chapter, the third page in the Bible, we have become the center of our universe. We have uh, we have come to we have come to think that we could be served and uh, and not serve others. We have become the center of our universe. Everything drives around me, around what makes me happy, what makes me feel good. And you put yourself in the center. And I want to share this with you because of the brokenness of man, because of sin, that makes that sin, uh, that sin, you putting yourself at the center makes you the most miserable person. And look at our society today. Our society is in the most miserable state that it could possibly be because they're trying to please themselves. Everything, self is at the center of everything. I want to encourage you here. Uh, it means that, that, that being a servant has become a bad word. Because of the fall of man. Listen, God's original design was for you to serve. And so when you're not serving, you're missing the boat. And so we think that it's a bad word whenever you walk into a room and, and you go and you serve somebody. I was with somebody the other day and I was impressed that this person was serving. They didn't need to serve. They were serving. It naturally flows out of them. It was their natural byproduct of who they are. They saw a need and they were helping and they served somebody. You know, today we love to, we love to hear some words. We like to make it culturally uh, cool to serve, like to, to go on our missions trips and all that. And, and those are important. We're going to be doing those things. And I'm not knocking those things. But I'm saying that, hey, listen, there's more than just a week-long missions trip. It's called every day in your family, every day in your community, every week in your church. Jumping in and serving, and as you begin to serve, you get to see this. But we have been taught that to be the servant is the bad word. We have somehow been taught that that servant leadership. Oh, yeah, we hear the word servant leadership. And when we say servant leader, we like the word servant when it's an adjective, not when it's a noun. We just we just think somehow that servant is lowly. That's because of Genesis chapter three. God says, I want you to go to the least in the room. Somehow we think that going to the least is the bad. Uh, serving has to be learned. You cannot you cannot uh, just raise your children to naturally serve. They will not naturally serve. Did you catch that? Your children will not naturally serve. You do not naturally serve. We have to learn that. We have to teach that in the church. You have to teach that in your home. You have to teach people how to serve. And people don't just say, oh, I can't wait to serve today. We have to learn, hey, listen, there is a responsibility that God has given to us. As a matter of fact, it's the very way that God made me, and I'm supposed to serve. So whenever I serve, everything changes. I has to be learned. It has to be strategic. Remember, Jesus came to Peter, and Peter said, no, 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 Lord. 
And Jesus says, get behind me. The disciples are coming and they're saying, what's in it for me? Hey, I've been, I've been following. I'm in on the ground level. When Jesus is king, what's in it for me? And so as you look at this, what, what's in it for me, I want you to understand that serving has to be learned. It's, it's not natural to, to go out and serve. Um, you would rather, you know, who would rather go to the cross? Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross. Hey, if you're following me, come along to the cross with me. And we've been taught, well, you know, God's going to make everything happy. Jesus says, I don't want you to just serve. I want you to go to the very last. I want you to go and serve everybody. There's nobody exempt from your list of serving, and there's nobody on the top. He says, I want you to go to the very bottom, and I want you to serve. Why do we need this story? I want you to catch this. Why does Jesus make this big deal about serving? Because, number one, we are all uniquely created to do great works. Each of us, read this with me, each of us are uniquely created to do great works. You are uniquely created to do great works. That's what God has called you to do. And in Genesis 1 and 2, that's how you were created. So you're to go do something for Him. And so that is how God designed it. As a matter of fact, go over to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Check this out. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can't get to heaven by being a good person. You can't get to heaven by doing your good works. So your good works don't get you to heaven. He says, however, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I want to leave this verse up here for a little while. I want you to think about this. His workmanship, that means you're his handiwork. You are the masterpiece of God. The Greek word there is a poema. It's like a poem. It's like an artist writes a poem, and this is the masterpiece. I want you to think about being the masterpiece of God. And he says, you are my masterpiece. I have chiseled you. I have formed you. I have shaped you so that you can go do good things. He doesn't say that your good things will get you to him. No, 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 no. He says, so that you can come to me. No one will be able to go into heaven and say I'm a good person. He says, however, God has given you this purpose in life. And you have a purpose. And that purpose is to go do great works, to do good things for God, which God prepared in advance that you should walk in them. I want you to think about this. uh, Let's go back to that verse there. Go reverse. There we go. All right. God prepared beforehand. God prepared these works for you to do. I want you to think about the people downstairs right now that are teaching second grade class. God prepared that appointment for them to teach the second grade class in eternity past and prepared those teachers to go do it. What's God called you to do? What's God got for you? Like, like, are you missing out on some of the things that God has for you? Like, God has some places for you to serve. The people up here today that were the playing instruments and singing, God had a plan for them from eternity past that they would do good works. Like, God gave this Xavier over here. He's over there, but he was over here a little bit ago, right? God gave Xavier a love for the drum, a love for a guitar, a love for all kind of things musical. 
He didn't give me that love. He didn't give me the ability. Like, I can play a CD player. And that tells you how old I am, right? I can't even play Spotify. I can do a CD player, okay? But that dude over there, God gave him all these gifts. And he prepared them so that that dude could help you dudes praise that dude. You got that? Let's thank God for that. That's how that works. Thank God Almighty, all right? I think there's a lot more dudes in this church. A lot more of you men and women that God has gifted and God has placed something on your heart to do. And I want to unleash the church to go do it. It's time. There's guys over there in the gymnasium tonight. Max got a bunch of guys plays football. No, not football. Basketball. It's that crazy blue shirt. Sorry, Max. All right. Yeah, I tried to tell him no. Listen, they're playing basketball. They get excited. They bring in people to Jesus. I couldn't bounce a ball. I've tried it. They're doing stuff for God. They're God prepared in advance for them to bounce that basketball and tell them about Jesus. God's prepared in advance those middle schoolers and those high schoolers that come out on Sunday night and on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. There's kids around this place all the time. God has prepared in advance those people and says, listen, there's a divine appointment. I'm going to place you here to serve. And you know what? When you go serve in all of those areas, you get nothing in return. Nothing in return. God says, serve the least of these. Go down to the nursery, serve to the least of these. Go go to the nursing home, serve to the least of these. Go to your family, serve the least in your family. You know what? How many times do we serve our family without wanting to hear an accolade back? It's so easy for us to serve for what I get back. And you know what? We get frustrated because many times we serve and we get nothing back. And God has even said in his word, if you're serving for that accolade, you've already got your reward. I want my reward in heaven where I get to cast them at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Serving is where we discover our purpose. When you serve the Lord, you discover your purpose, your calling, and you discover Jesus. You really do. When you serve, when you go and you serve somebody that you get nothing in return, you find your purpose in life. The, 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 kid, the people that are serving right now downstairs, they found their purpose today. God's called them today to be with those second graders. God may change that and give them other jobs down the road, but today that's their purpose. Their overall calling, the difference from purpose and calling, their overall calling is their mission in life. They're, they're discovering how to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what God's called us to do. And then I believe this. When you get, when you serve the least of these as Jesus commands us to do, you find that your life is all about Jesus and you start to discover and you experience Jesus. We're never more like Christ than when we are serving. I want you to catch this. We are never more like Christ than when we are serving. But we are never more anti-Christ than when we are expecting to be served. You catch that? We're never more like Christ than when we are serving. We're never more anti-Christ than when we are expecting to be served. If you go into a room and you expect to be served, you're going the opposite of what Jesus did. 
God says, I expect you to serve. I've called you to serve. And so when we come in and serve, he designed you, he created you to serve. And serving is not a dirty word. It is, it is, it is, to be a servant is not the, not the worst thing in the world that could happen to you. It's actually the best thing that could happen to you. Because you get to go out and you get to serve and you, and you pour your life in and you invest in your life. And you may not see anything on this side of heaven, but I'll tell you what, the, the benefits of serving the Lord and investing in the Lord, the benefits are out of this world. And I mean that literally. They're eternal. God has a plan for you and He wants you to serve, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your wife, whether it's your kids. How do we serve? It starts at home. We start serving at home. Ephesians 5 says, love as Christ loved the church. He told the husbands to love. That's our job. I have to love. That means unconditional, nothing attached, no strings attached. Expect nothing in return. That's love. And then he tells the wives to submit to their husbands. And as they do that, it's a, it's, it's the, it's the, it's coming back and they're trusting God and they're saying, okay, I'm trusting my husband. God, because he loves me, because he loves God, he loves me, and he is looking out for me. And then the wives are able to work with their husbands. And so I want to encourage you, husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. It's amazing that Ephesians 5, God said that, and it's, it's a little bit easier for, uh, uh, for, for the wives to love their husbands. It's harder for them to respect. And it's a little harder for the, for, for the wife, uh, for the husbands to love. It's easier to respect. So God knew that would be the tough part in the scripture. And so He addresses it. And I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you as you go on this journey, when you become like Christ, you will serve. When you serve, you will become like Christ. This week I went out and I had the opportunity. I got to see a little bit of this. You know, when you get around people who serve, you're getting around Jesus. Like people who are sold out. Not people who are serving to get something. Not people who want you to see something. I'm talking about people who serve and nobody knows about it. Like they're serving and they're just doing it and they're rolling on this path for Jesus. This week, uh, I was uh, uh, the past few weeks I've been getting in touch with some of our elderly folks. Roger Metcalf's taken me out to see a number of them. I went to see Hazel Perney. She's 91 years old. She's homebound. And if you know Hazel Perney, she was part of this church for years. She's a, one of our homebound and loves the Lord and is very faithful to pray for us. She doesn't get out too often, but we went visit her. We had a good time. We told her about Lois Vandermeer, who's 94. Lois Vandermeer is in a nursing home over here in Bethel Park. And Lois, as many of you know, is, uh, is on hospice care now. She is in the beginning of the end for her. I don't know how long it'll be, but I know that we go down and visit her and we have these great discussions. We have great talks with Lois. And so I went down with Roger and I told Lois I'd be back. So I had to be a man of my word. I had to come back, right? So I came back a week later and I, I showed up with, showed up and Roger was gone and I just sat down and I talked to Lois and, and Lois, uh, Lois had a pile of mail there. She said, would you get that knife over there and open my mail for me? I was like, I don't need a knife. She goes, yeah, you do. Open it up for me. So I've got to be prim and proper. And so we opened up the, she opens up. She's like, I can't believe that. I just got a card from Hazel, from 91-year-old Hazel that I visited the week before. Sent a card to Lois, 94, over here. And Lois goes, so kind of her. 
But she doesn't need to waste her money on me for a card. And I said, I think I've just been around some godliness. Like, here's somebody who is feeble and painful and near the end and says, she thought of me, who am I? She wasn't expecting to be served at all. She said, who is this, that lady? She thought of me. I can't believe that she thought of me. And, and so, so I, I took Lois and I, 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 she said, would you wheel me down to dinner? I said, yeah, I love dinner. Let's go. And, uh, and I started wheeling her down and she goes, you obviously don't work here. You're too slow. <laughs> and so I'm wheeling her down and I get down there and she pulls up to the thing. She says, okay, you can go now. And I get in the car and I just had this moment. I'm like, I've just been with Jesus. I have been in the presence of God Almighty. I went in to serve, and let me tell you what happened. Lois ended up serving me. She gave me her heart. And as I walked out of there, I said, this is amazing what God does. And, and you know what? You don't get nothing. You don't go in there trying to get anything. But I'm going to tell you this. When you do serve, you're, you're the happier person. Like you are the happier person. You saw the least and you went down and you served them. And you did it with no strings attached, hoping nobody would even see you. that You did it. Lois Vandermeer served in this church for 40 years, folks. 40 years. She moved here from out of town, from Chicago, and she settled in here. And she, she said, this is my place. She saw ups. She saw downs. She saw everything change in this place. And she sat in that back row right in front of the sound booth for years, telling me how loud the music was. She was wonderful, man. She was faithful. She was faithful. She didn't, listen, life changed. You know, when you get, you know, when I get to be 90, I'll tell you what I don't like either. It's all good. Listen, she was faithful. She kept marching for Jesus. She kept moving forward. It was up. It was low. It was down. It was high. She was always here. Wade Baker tells a story. Wade was telling me the other day. She would, she not only, she ran Sweet Sixties, right? And, uh, and it was a ministry for the, for the, you know, if you're over 60. We used to call them golden 90s, but they were sweet 60s, right? They were, they were, they were 60 and overs. And they would have this ministry for, for the elderly people, and it was just a, a different era. She ran that ministry for years and years and years. And then, then we saw her, she'd serve in the nursery. For years she ran the toddler side or the infant side, I don't know. She had my kids in the nursery down there. And then, then, then Wade tells the story, we, you know, she would help out with the food. You know, when we have these funeral dinners and Wade went over, what were you, a teenager or a college age kid? And Wade goes over and he just wants to pick a piece of salami up and she smacked him with a knife, you know? <laughs> Back when you can do that before that was a weapon, you know what I mean? She just, <laughs> Wade lived to tell about it and probably got a few scars from the church, you know? But I, I, I want to, I want to share you this. That woman, is in touch with God. She is not perfect. She is not always the best spirited. But she is in touch with God and she gave her life and she said, I'm going to quietly do this and I'm going to do this. And she's calling everybody. She knows everybody. So when I'm down there talking to Lois, even in her final days, she's telling me how everybody's doing from on the phone. I want to encourage you. Jesus said that the Son of Man must suffer. He must die. He came and he served the lowliest. He said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to do the same.
I'm going to ask you to take your communion cup. And let's open the bread. And I just want you to hold on to that bread for a minute there. Because this was the mission of Jesus. It was humble. I want you to think of God leaving heaven. All the power, all the glory. And he takes on the form of a little baby. And he lives as a human, never once sinning. And he tells 12 guys, I got to die. It's the opposite of what they wanted, guys. But Jesus said, I got to do this because I got to serve Judas. I got to serve my enemies. I could give Judas an opportunity to trust Christ. I got to give everybody an opportunity to come to heaven. That's why I'm doing this. And he humbly laid down his life. You just look at that bread and thank God for that bread. Father God, we are so thankful on that night you took the bread and you said, this is my body, which is broken for for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you and we honor you today. Be with us as we worship and celebrate you. In your name we pray. Amen. Then he took the cup. And on that same night, he took the cup and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood. My blood is the new agreement between God and man. This is the new covenant. It is me. I, you, you can't keep the golden rule. You can't do it. You can't keep the Ten Commandments. You're not good enough to do all that. But I am. And I'm the only perfect sacrifice that would take it for you. So I'm going to humble myself. Hebrews says without the giving of blood, without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for what you did on that cross. I thank you that you said that whosoever will shall be, uh, whosoever will shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the truth of your scripture. God, be with each of us as we seek to honor you, to worship you, to serve you, Lord, by serving the least of these. God, place it on all of our hearts. You have appointments for us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day of the week. Not just serving at the church, serving a homeless person, serving a a child in our community, serving our family, serving the school district. Lord, there's, there's countless opportunities that you've given us. But we can only do it because of this right here, because of your blood and what you've done for us. We worship you and we honor you. In your name we pray. We're dismissed today. I want to encourage you down at the bottom of the ramp. You'll see there's a a number of the ministries have ways that you can get involved. I want to give you a direct application. You can jump in and serve. 
find a place here in the church, but I want to take it beyond the church. Let's go beyond these walls and let's serve as God has given you these divine appointments. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great day.
it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't.